Thanks for listening to the Apocalypse Papers podcast. This is podcast number one on November 30th, 2015. In this podcast, I will be discussing the current state of affairs in the world generally, why and how it got to be this way, and what you and I can do about it. Unless you've been living in a cave somewhere for the last few months, you've been hearing a lot about the increased amount of terrorism that is happening all around the world and directed primarily at Israel and America, along with Christians all over the world. The world seems to be careening out of control in a direction that will end up having catastrophic results. The vast majority of people on planet Earth believe that things will only get worse and that the end of the world is fast approaching. Most people feel helpless to do anything about it. Without any doubts whatsoever, we are clearly living in the very last days before Jesus returns. The first question we need to ask ourselves is, why is this happening? I'm sure that you've heard people commenting all the time that if there was a God, he wouldn't allow this to happen, etc., etc. That mentality couldn't be further from the truth. In fact, just the opposite is true. God ensures that bad things will happen because it is all part of God's plan of salvation. I could spend hours explaining the plan of salvation, but the best way to get you up to speed is to read my book and visit my website at www.theapocalypsepapers.com. You can read a sample portion of the book on the website. The paperback book is available at Amazon.com and other booksellers. You can also pick up a digital Kindle copy from Amazon.com for less than the price of a lunch at a fast food joint. For the sake of argument, we'll assume that we are on this planet not by chance, but for a specific reason and purpose. That purpose is for you to have your metal tried and tested. The scriptures readily acknowledge this fact. In Proverbs 17, chapter 17, verse 3, we read that the fining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord trieth the hearts. In Zechariah chapter 13, verse 9, we read, And I will bring the third part through the fire, and I will refine them as silver is refined, and will try them as gold is tried. They shall call on my name, and I will hear them. I will say, It is my people, and they shall say, The Lord is my God. Isaiah 48:10 tells us, Behold, I have refined thee, but not with silver. I have chosen thee in the furnace of affliction. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 2 through 5, we read, But who may abide the day of his coming, and who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire, and like fuller's soap. And he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. And he shall purify the sons of Levi, and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Then shall the offering of Judah and Jerusalem be pleasant unto the Lord, as in the days of old, and as in former years. And I will come near to you in judgment, and I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, and against the adulterers, and against false swearers, and against those that oppress the hireling and his wages, the widow and the fatherless, and that turn aside the stranger from his right, and fear not me, saith the Lord of hosts. In Job chapter 23.10 we read, But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Now the story of Job is especially relevant because it helps us understand that quite often, 
It is God who works in conjunction with Satan to ensure that each of us who come to this planet are tried and tested to the fullest extent of our capacity to be tempted. Job chapter 1 verses 6 through 8 tells us, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord, and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God, and escheweth evil? To recap this event, a righteous group of men known as the sons of God came to present themselves before God. That seems natural and proper. But then it says that Satan came along with them, which seems mighty peculiar based upon our traditional perception of the relationship between God and Satan, which we've always been taught is extreme hatred toward each other. Then God asked Satan where he's coming from, which again seems pretty casual. We would expect to hear something like, Get thee behind me, Satan, or some other dismissal or rejection of Satan's mere presence. Not so here, as Satan's response is just as casual, saying that he's been here and there, hanging around on the earth in different places, not doing much of anything. Again, no rebuke from God, but even more casualness, as God asks Satan if he has considered his servant Job. God is asking Satan if he has considered tempting Job, and God is promoting Job as being perfect and upright. No one else like him on the earth. It's as if God is taunting Satan, saying, Neener, 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 you can't touch Job. Satan doesn't disagree with God, but instead responds that it is no wonder that Job loves the Lord, because he has been blessed in every way possible. Satan then challenges the Lord by saying that if he were to lose all those blessings, that Job would curse God right to his face. In other words, it's easy to love God, who is the source of your blessings, when you've never had any trials or tribulations. Job hadn't been properly tested in life to the furthest extent of his capacity to be tempted. So what did God do? He told Satan that he could take away any blessings from Job and afflict him any way he chose, with the only exception being that he can't kill him. At the end of a long series of trials and tribulations, Job remained faithful, never blaming or cursing God. As a result, Job was blessed twofold over what he had before he was put through the refiner's fire. Although the story of Job is an excellent example of being tested and put through the refiner's fire, this testing has been going on all throughout the world's existence since Adam and Eve set foot in the Garden of Eden. So why does it seem that things have escalated at an exponential rate in recent years? Like you, I've heard all the talking heads before, and especially lately, pontificating about the fate of the world and the greatest threat to our nation in the entire world is radical Islam. I can assure you that the greatest threat to peace, safety, and welfare of America is absolutely not Islam in any variety, whether radical or otherwise. The greatest threat to America is actually us, you and I and the rest of our family, friends, and neighbors. Radical Islam is nothing more than a symptom of the deeper problem. The real problem is that as a country, we have turned away from God. As a result, instead of receiving a covenant blessing from God, we are receiving a covenant cursing 
for our actions against God and our inactions toward God. Throughout history, God has made covenants with His chosen people or groups of people. In the process, He makes covenants with them. As long as they honor those covenants, they receive the covenant blessings. When they turn away from God and no longer honor their end of the covenant, the blessings are revoked and God begins to pour out judgments upon those people in an effort to turn them away from evil and back to Him. These are covenant curses and they include natural disasters, financial collapse, social unrest and anarchy, as well as enemy invasions. God does this in order to motivate us to repent and honor the terms of the covenant which will bring about blessings. This is a repetitive cycle, one that Isaiah records in his day. It's the same situation in which we now find ourselves. Isaiah chapter 9 verses 9 through 14 records that, And all the people shall know, even Ephraim and the inhabitant of Samaria, that say in the pride and stoutness of heart, The bricks are fallen down, but we will build with hewn stones. The sycamores are cut down, but we will change them into cedars. Therefore the Lord shall set up the adversaries of Rezin against him and join his enemies together, the Syrians before and the Philistines behind, and they shall devour Israel with open mouth. For all this his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. For the people turneth not unto him that smiteth them, neither do they seek the Lord of hosts. Therefore the Lord will cut off from Israel head and tail, branch and rush, in one day. In this passage, the Syrians and Philistines were the enemies of ancient Israel and are metaphors for the enemies of God's people in the end-time scenario. Notice that it is because God's people do not turn unto Him that their enemies smite them. As a people, we have been slowly turning our hearts away from God and honoring the covenant. Our defiance to God began to escalate in 1973 when the Supreme Court ruling of Roe v. Wade made it legal to perform abortions legally. Since then, we have offered millions and millions of children as blood sacrifices at the altars of Baal and Moloch. Most decent people would be horrified to learn that many women who have abortions get pregnant intentionally so that they can perform a ritual blood sacrifice of their child to Satan in the abortion clinic. It makes no difference whether you believe that abortion is a woman's right to her own body or not. What really matters is that God says it's not right. It is a violation of the covenant, especially blood sacrifices to Satan and his pagan gods. The covenant that continues to be dishonored and broken every year as society descends further into the cesspools of decadence and depravity in the name of individual rights. It's worth pointing out here that I'm not debating anyone's right, liberties, or freedoms. What I'm pointing out is that irrespective of anyone's rights, liberties, or freedoms, to violate the covenant is to bring upon ourselves the covenant cursings rather than blessings. We the people are responsible for the cursings, condemnations, and destructions that are presently being poured out upon America and will continue to be poured out upon us until we either repent or we are destroyed from off the face of the earth. This is what has happened over and over again in the past as recorded in Scripture. The Lord's chosen people initially kept the commandments and honored the covenants and were blessed. Even in their infancy as a nation, the Israelites fought armies that outnumbered them at incredible odds, yet each time they were victorious because the Lord was on their side. 
As the cycle continued, they moved from covenant keepers to covenant breakers. As a result, in spite of their greatness, the strength of their armies, or the fortifications of their cities, when God poured out the covenant cursings, they were slaughtered and scattered by their enemies, only to repeat the cycle of being left desolate, and then repenting out of necessity and turning back to God. God would rather lose most of His covenant people, rather than losing all of them, and so He pours out the cursings. We can see the same progression of this cycle in our own lives. Once we begin the practice of blood sacrifice of our children and the lawlessness and depravity of our society, we were attacked by the modern-day Assyrians, who are the terrorists. We have had several terrorist attacks here in our country, and now they're happening on an almost daily basis around the world, with Christians being slaughtered, raped, tortured, beheaded, etc. As a result, our world has become a modern-day Babylon, with very few residents still living in Zion. So, just who or what is Babylon? In ancient days, Babylon was a great city founded by Nimrod. It represented all that was evil and to be avoided by God's people. Today, Babylon metaphorically represents all that is evil in the world and likewise should be avoided by God's people. Spiritual Babylon is the antithesis of Zion. Zion, like Babylon, is metaphorical, but unlike Babylon, Zion represents all that is good in the world, a spiritual oasis, a safe haven providing rest from the evils of the world. Babylon and Zion represent opposing spiritual entities. What's happening in the world now, especially the terroristic threats against America, are not surprising or unexpected, as Isaiah foresaw them in his day and recorded them for our benefit. It is worth noting that Isaiah's prophecies are unique in that he prophesies of events both in his own day as well as the events in the end times slash last days, or our world today. So what exactly did Isaiah see concerning our day and our particular circumstances? In Isaiah chapter 47 verses 10 through 14, we find, For thou hast trusted in thy wickedness, thou hast said, None seeth me. Thy wisdom and thy knowledge, it hath perverted thee, and thou hast said in thine heart, I am, and none else beside me. Therefore shall evil come upon thee, thou shalt not know from whence it riseth, and mischief shall fall upon thee, thou shalt not be able to put it off, and desolation shall come upon thee suddenly, which thou shalt not know. Stand now with thine enchantments, and with the multitude of thy sorceries, wherein thou hast labored from thy youth. If so, be thou shalt be able to profit. If so, be thou mayest prevail. Thou art wearied in the multitude of thy counsels. Let now the astrologers, the stargazers, the monthly prognosticators, stand up, and save thee from these things that shall come upon thee. Behold, they shall be as stubble, the fire shall burn them. They shall not deliver themselves from the power of the flame. There shall not be a coal to warm at, nor fire to sit before it. So can you see that this is America today? Can you see the pride and arrogance? Does this not describe our nation completely and what's going on in our world today? As a nation, we are one of the most wicked, if not the most wicked, nation on the earth. It doesn't matter how we justify it or how we wink at the sin. We are the greatest nation of prideful sinners on the planet. And as Isaiah points out, are we not wearied in the multitude of our councils? The talking heads, the politicians, the news reporters, the analysts, the trends predictors, the experts who are simply pointing out the symptoms and have no solution for the real problem because they can't or won't see it for what it really is? 
These experts just keep spinning and spinning and spinning the events so that, as Isaiah points out, we won't know from whence it riseth. Take the matter of Islam, for example. All the talking heads are pointing in different directions and spinning in this way or that way, while the terrorists continue to kill innocent men, women, and children in cold blood simply for not believing a certain way. All the talking heads do is talk about the problem, and nobody's fixing the problem. But notice what Isaiah says after that. Mischief shall fall upon thee, thou shalt not be able to put it off, and desolation shall come upon thee suddenly. Has anyone anywhere on the planet been able to put off or stop any terrorist action? The answer is simply no. Now some of you may be thinking that the FBI routinely makes reports of terroristic plots that they've foiled, but the only ones they've really foiled are the, they, the, the ones that they themselves have plotted and recruited idiot terrorist wannabes to take the fall. So far, no legitimate terrorist plot has been prevented, just like Isaiah prophesied. Unless and until we are sufficiently humbled, until we repent, and until we return to God and honor our covenants with Him, we can expect more of the same. The severity of that which is to come is directly proportional to how we, as a nation, are willing to repent and keep the covenants, or on the other hand, how easily we abhor and break the covenants. Unfortunately, prophecy is 100% accurate, and things will get much, much worse before they ever begin to get better. A large percentage of people in this country will have to die at the hands of our enemies before God's people have been sufficiently purified through the refiner's fire. Now, if you're a Christian who is thinking that your membership in some church or the fact that you're saved because you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior will somehow preclude you from all the trials and tribulations of the coming refiner's fire, you are only deluding yourself. There will be no pre-tribulation rapture, as that would be contrary to God's plan. If you are one of these people who believes that you will not suffer these events, you are part of the problem rather than part of the solution. So what are we to do? You've got to get yourself prepared, both spiritually and temporally. If you can only do one, then become spiritually prepared. The scriptures tell us that, He that is prepared shall not fear. If you think you're already prepared, then you clearly are not. We know that the deception in these end times will be so great that if it were possible, even the very elect would be deceived. Notice that this is a conditional statement of if, if it were possible, which it may or may not be possible. Maybe the very elect will be deceived and maybe they won't. But unless you are one of the very elect, you don't even stand a chance. If you think you are one of the very elect, then you really need to read my book and study the information on my website. I can't stress enough how important it is to be prepared and not put off the day of your repentance. We are in this mess where the world is presently stands on the precipice of World War III because we have failed the Lord. God didn't fail us, we failed Him. Unless we wake up from our awful situation and do something about it, we are unconditionally doomed. It's much too late now for the world to change and repent. That's not going to happen. As a result, the covenant cursings will continue to be poured out, especially among God's people who have broken the covenant and have not repented. The only question remaining is whether you will take the necessary actions to prepare now for what lies ahead. 
please visit my website at www.theapocalypsepapers.com for more information about what you can do to be better prepared and worthy of God's covenant blessing. Thanks for listening. If you find this information valuable, please share the message with everyone you know and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss anything.